heal broken hearts and let us spin the wheel of God. Here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me in Jesus' name. Amen. Now turn to your neighbor and say, what's God's will? <laughs> Is that not an awesome thing? <laughs> How'd you like that video? Eh. eh, cheesy, you'll get over it. Okay. On our shoestring budget, that's a pretty good video. <laughs> so. Exactly. Exactly. Hopefully you got a chance to see a little bit of yourself there. All right. We're in week two. Welcome. What is God's will? Not as God's will, but God's will. I loved it when he shoved her off the stage. <laughs> I wonder today how many of you really sincerely desire to do God's will, but it seems like you often make the wrong decisions. Anybody? Okay. Well, we're going to address that question. What am I doing wrong? As we seek God's will for our life, I keep wanting to say wheel for some reason. <laughs> and we're going to try to discern what God's will is for us. Those that may have missed last week, let me do a little recap. If you'll remember, I put up a picture of a soccer goal. And on one side of that goal was God's providential will. And the providential will of God is there's things that God's going to do no matter what. In other words, when Jesus gets ready to come back, whether you pray for it or you pray against it, guess what? He's going to come back because that's God's providential will. And on the other crossbar, we saw God's moral will. And God's moral will means I'm going to live within the confines and the means with which God teaches me in his word. And I'm going to live within the moral will that God has established for us for each of us in his word. So we've got the providential will of God and the moral will of God. And then that top bar was what? Do you remember? Our personal will. Somewhere between the providential will of God and the moral will of God. Providential, he's going to do certain things. Moral will, we're living in the way that he called us to live. Then he's going to put us in our personal will. It's going to fit for our life and where we are right now. And so hopefully that catches you up, and those are the boundaries that we uh, looked at. And in the, uh, this week and in the next two weeks, we're going to search God's Word and discern better His personal will for us. But how do we know what God is saying to us? A lot of people have very good intentions, yet they still mess up big time when they seek God's will. It's like a, a lot of uh, guys who... Uh, and especially a guy who was just really desperate and prayed, God, I don't know what to do. I'm hurting. I need to know what it is that you want me to do. So he got out his Bible and he, he didn't know where to start reading. So he just opened it up and he pointed his finger at a verse. Have any of you tried that method? Okay. Well, this guy does that. And he says, as he's pointing his finger, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And so he looks up the verse and it says, Judas went out and hanged himself. 
He said, oh, surely that's not God's will. I'm, I'm going to try this again. So he throws it over to another spot, sticks his finger in there, and he says, go thou and do likewise. <laughs> he said, surely this is not God's will for me. Surely, surely not. So he opens up the Bible another place, gets, closes those eyes, points the finger, and the verse says, and what you must do, do quickly. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, see, we're messing up, aren't we? We're, we're trying to dictate to God what He's going to do. Our anchor verse today, we read earlier, Proverbs 14, 12, says, There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to what? Death. To death. There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. There can be things that we do that seem right, but they're really not. So what are we doing wrong? Well, I want to give you three incredibly common mistakes that people make when seeking God's direction for their life. The first one, one of the most common mistakes. Number one is we simply don't ask God. We just simply don't ask Him. We, we may want God's will, but we don't want to even ask Him and, and get His direction. James in James 1.5 says, if you lack what? Wisdom. We should ask God who gives how? Generously. God will give wisdom to all who ask. But the problem is, and let's be quite honest with ourselves, we go to every source before we come to God. I mean, we'll make decisions based on what our friends tell us first. Our wives, our husbands. When we ought to be on our knees seeking wisdom from God. There's people who frequent the horoscopes. I watch my horoscopes day to day. And I love those. Have you ever read any of them? Some of you may be really, I mean, y'all may be stepping on your toes here getting on horoscopes. But Some people read them and they go, wow, it says that I'm going to meet some person today and life's going to be rich. So that must be a rich person and I'm going to get with them. And I'll be rich. Nah, see what I'm saying? Or they'll tune in to Dr. Phil. I love his phrase. How's that working for you? That is a great phrase, by the way. <laughs> Parents, you can really use that with your kids. When they act up, you can go, how's that working for you? Oh, they'll want to they'll club you, but they know better. When Oprah had her program going on, people, well, whatever Oprah said, if you wanted to sell a book and Oprah liked your book, you'd be a millionaire because you'd sell so many copies if Oprah said, buy this guy's book. And they're bought. It's amazing. But we're not really after good advice. We're after God's advice. Let me try to explain it this way. There, there can be good places to go, and then there's better places to go. I read a story about a couple when they were first married, had a house that was in a really rough neighborhood, all sorts of burglaries and stuff, and they had an alarm system. And one night in the middle of the night, about three in the morning, the alarm system goes off and the guy jumps out of bed and he goes, oh man, I believe there's a burglar in the house. And he goes, but I've been trained for this. I know how to use nunchucks. So he grabs the nunchucks from out from under his bed and he's going through the house and he's going to nunchuck that burglar right upside the head, knock his head off. And he hears something in the back room and God gave him wisdom. He called the police. He went in the back bedroom, shuts the door, and he thinks 
hey, somebody's in the house. I heard it. And the wife says, well, what are you doing? She says, well, I'm calling the police. So he picks up the phone. He dials 1411. Well, calling information is good, but at that point, 911 would have been better than 411 when a burglar's in your house. Some of you may say, well, then what happened? <laughs> well, he had set the motion detector and the cat set the alarm off, so it was kind of, it was kind of fun. But so many of us go to good sources for help, but we don't go to the best source. How many of you would be honest enough to say a lot of times that you don't even go to God? I don't want you to raise your hand. I just want you to think about that. Some of you are saying, what happened with that burglar? Well, I just told you. So. <laughs> uh, the cat set off the alarm. But mistake number one is that we don't ask God. James 4, 2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. Ask God. Number one mistake we make is we don't ask God. Second mistake is that we often rely too much on logic. You ever tried to figure God out? Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. He is not bound by the boundaries that you and I are bound by. In fact, in Isaiah 55 and verse 9, as the heavens are higher than the earth, God says, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So you see, when it comes to the will of God, sometimes God's will is consistent with our human logic, and then the other times it just absolutely is not. It doesn't make any sense at all. How could Pat, when the doctors looked at Pat, they said, we've got to do emergency surgery on this woman. She's going to die. That's what they said. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were her, I'd be going, blah, 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 what? She just didn't feel good. And all of a sudden, they're saying, you're going to die if we don't get this thing. And so, so through prayer, God said, well, here you go. Just flipped it back the other way. I guess she just turned different. I guess that's what it was. She just turned over a different way, and the thing unfolded. Right. It defies human logic sometimes. In fact, when you look at the disciples, you'll see more times than not that Jesus would defy human logic just by the 12 that he picked. One example of many of the disciples were with Jesus and there were 5,000 hungry men he was fixing to teach. Remember on the hillside? Well, in the Bible times, they, normal, they didn't normally mention the women and children present. They would just say women and children. So you can safely assume that if each husband and wife were there with one child... But there were 15,000 people there to feed. So it defies logic that they had it catered. He called the Tiberius Catering Service, and they brought out the buffet and fed all 1,500. Amen. Well, he had five loaves and how many fish? Two. Fed them all. Did he have any left over? How many? How much? Twelve baskets full. Have you ever considered that he had a basket for each disciple to carry to the boat they were fixing to get on? See, God does that. It defies logic. So each of them are, they, they not only didn't believe it, now they're carrying the results in a basket. Each one of them, I just love it, twelve baskets. Not ten, not nine, not four. Twelve. That's God. He's going, eh, let's just throw let's throw twelve out there. Why not? So they get on the boat to go on the boat and they go to the Sea of Galilee and the storm rises up and they forget about the baskets. <laughs> Defies logic. 
I mean, how can you feed that many people with five loaves and two fish? It make, it's logically not going to work. But one of the weird things about being a believer is so many of us make decisions based on logic, assuming that's just the will of God. For example, let me, let me share a couple different things. How about a job? Now, I know there are several looking for jobs, and you're desperate to get one. You want one, you're hungry for one, and you need it now, today. Not, not, not tomorrow, today. Yesterday. How? <laughs> Lord, you don't know. My brother calls him the Lord of the last minute. I wish he'd have never told me that. Because that seems like how God tends to answer things, at least in my life. I keep praying, 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 and all of a sudden, it shows up at the last minute. Maybe it would have come quicker if I'd have just sought him first. But you might have a job offer in another city that has a substantial increase in salary. And so, man, you know, because of our materialistic-driven society we live in, whoop, I'm supposed to move. I'm supposed to pack up and go. On the other hand, it could get this new job and you could work, 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 work. <laughs> put in hours that you haven't put in before and your marriage starts to suffer. And all of a sudden, shoot yourself in the foot because things were going really well for you and now they're not. Extra money doesn't look quite so good. Perhaps God's using you right where you are to work in an incredible ministry. Maybe you're discipling people in a small group and helping new believers become stronger. The one thing that we need as a church are mentors for new believers. We need them. We need people who will discipline themselves and allow me to train them to do that. Maybe you're working with teenagers or young people and you're doing a great job. You're pouring your heart into them. Maybe you need to stay right where you are. Maybe God's putting on your heart to lead mission trips, to go into the inner city. I'm talking to Will and Jen this week and God's got a real passion in His heart to help feed people. To feed people. Does that not saddle up to a vision I've shared with you a few years ago? And we ought to be a place where people can come every week and get food. Not once a month, but every week they can come and get food. I don't know what God has in store. But He does. He's looking for willing servants ready to serve, is He not? He's never called us for our ability. He's called us for our availability. So how available are you going to make yourself? God's calling you to make disciples. Maybe not make a lot of money. Logically, the world says that money, that extra money must be from God. But by faith, sometimes God may say to you, there's something better. Or perhaps you know you're going to move away for, for more money. But right now, at this moment, the kids in your life, in your family, in your home are really doing well. You want to uproot them and move them? Is it really that important? There's no amount of money that's more important than our children being right where God can use them and help them to serve faithfully. No amount of money. Another big decision people have to make is when to have kids. How many kids? You might say, well, you know, logically it's not really, I, I don't know if I could have kids. I mean, I, I, you know, 
uh, do we have a big enough house? Do we make enough money? Do we have enough saved? Are we too much in debt? I mean, we don't really don't make enough money. We don't even have an SUV. And after all, you can't have kids if you don't have an SUV. So we're just not ready. We're, we're just not ready. But I thought the Bible said that children are a blessing from God. Now, there's times I know when you just soon send them back to the Lord. I, I understand that. And then they'll do that thing that they know how to do just at the time when you're ready to cut your wrists and end it all. They'll look at you and say, I love you. Yes, ma'am. God bless her. <laughs> God bless her. Her quiver's full. <laughs> but God will test us. He'll test us in things, won't he? Because he wants to see how faithful we are. He tested Abraham. Why wouldn't he test you and me? And he does all the time. We've got to recognize it. One of, one of the ways is that we're stewards. We're managers of God's resources. Does it, has it dawned on you whenever I preach on tithing and I say 10%, how many people get, arr, 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 arr. do you understand that he's saying, I'm going to give you all 90%, I just need 10. And we get wigged out over 10% of whatever it is. And yet those, and you've heard testimonies from your brothers and sisters in Christ right here at this church, not just from the preacher, you've heard it from, from folks, regular folks just like you, how impactful Tithing has been in their life. In fact, they tell you, if I don't do it, I'm in trouble. I think that was Lindsay's testimony. She said, man, when I found out I quit doing it, thinking we can't afford this, things didn't go well. She kicked into gear, and all of a sudden, things got bad. Ed got more handsome. It was amazing how that works. <laughs> well, he was always handsome. God says, you live on 90, and just give me 10, because I can do a lot with 10. Isn't that amazing? So we shouldn't really get too hung up about it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with how much? All of our heart. Every bit of it. Lean not on what? Our own understanding, our own logic. But in all of those things, we should do what? Acknowledge Him. And then the result is He will do what? Make our paths straight. The first mistake is we often don't ask God. And the second is we depend too much on our own human understanding or logic. And the third big mistake is that we hear what we want to hear. We hear what we want to hear. We'll read too much into something. And then blame God and say, this is what God's showing me to do. And when we're just really reading something into that, it wasn't really there. <laughs> it's like the farmer farming hot Hot, dusty, no rain. Looks up in the clouds, takes a break, looks up in the clouds, and the clouds form three letters, GPC. He just knew that it was God's sign to go preach Christ. Went to his wife, he said, I've seen a sign, a vision from God. We're selling it all, baby, and we're moving to Joplin, Missouri to go to Bible college. She said, we're what? He said, we're moving I felt the call of God. 
So he got to Bible college and he struggled, 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 struggled. <clears throat> Didn't he was hard for him. He couldn't study, couldn't memorize, couldn't he it just it just wasn't in his DNA. So the dean asked him one day to come by his office and he sat down, and he said, he said, uh, man, how did you end up here? He said, Well, I was out plowing and I saw these letters in the sky, GPC, and I just knew God was giving me a vision to go preach Christ. He said, son, you've got an interpretation issue. He said, go plow corn. (laughs) (laughs) But we want to read into stuff, don't we? When circumstances get tough, when we don't know if we're going to make it to the next day, then we tend to run on human emotion. We tend to run on human knowledge instead of trusting God and falling at the feet of the Lord. 2 Timothy 4.3, Paul's telling Timothy to watch out because this is going to happen and you better get ready. He says, for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around a great number of teachers to say, to say what? What their itchings, hear, ears want to hear. I've never been one of those. I don't plan to start being one of those. I've told you before about a, young, a man when I was a young preacher. He used to put money in my hand when he'd shake hands and you know there's something in their hand and he's wanting you to take it out of his hand and it's really awkward. Because you feel like maybe he's got some medical issue there. and I, it's, How about to shake the other? <laughs> but I found out he was giving me money. And he'd say, he'd whisper, he'd say, hey, we'll take your wife out to dinner. I thought, well, this is awesome. That's awesome. Because with that kind of money, I could really take her someplace nice other than McDonald's. It was, I mean, we stepped up for Burger King. <laughs> it was awesome. But I found out later that he had an ulterior motive. And all of a sudden, the money dried up. I didn't even get the handshake anymore. You know, there's people that are going to want you to say what they want to want to hear. Surround yourself with people who will tell you what you want to hear is what we tend to do instead of Surrounding ourselves with people who tell us what we need to hear. I got that message this week. I went to the orthopedic surgeon on Monday. The one that I had been seeing said, I don't do knee replacements for people under 65. I thought, I'm not 65. He said, no. He said, you'll have to do a second one, so I just don't do them. So he said, he referred me to the other guy that would. Well, as soon as I, he comes into the room, and I know him because he helped me when my foot was broken, he looked at me and he goes, like that. I went, that doesn't look good at all. I didn't want him to say that. I wanted to him to say, let's schedule this surgery and let's get that knee replaced. Absolutely. He looked at the x-rays and he goes, wow. He said, that knee really be, needs to be replaced. I said, yeah, that's why I'm here. Can we do it today? Then he gave me the good news. He said, well, I said, okay, doc, I'm too heavy. I, yeah, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> he said, and you're diabetic. I said, yeah. He said, 50 pounds. If you can just give me 50 pounds, boy, it puts us in a whole different window. Well, I left and found me another doctor. I'm okay. 
<laughs> so I started eating, put on 50 pounds. He said, amen, put it on, didn't he? It was a, you know, sometimes your life choices do tend to catch up to you, don't they? Well, if I want to have pain-free leg, I'm going to have to do some things differently. So you pray for me. Don't beat me up. Just pray for me. Encourage me. Hold me accountable. I know when I tell you that, you will. <laughs> if you see me in McDonald's, make me leave. Don't let me stay there. If you see me in the drive-thru, tell them to close the window. Hugo's is my new friend. So <laughs> I had oatmeal today, I thank you. So I had oatmeal today. <clears throat> Jeff will hold me accountable on Sundays for breakfast at, at Hugo's. Or I have poached eggs and sausage, right? Okay. I'm trying. But you know, we don't want to hear certain things, do we? And yet we need to hear them. People say, well, you know, God, should I... Should I date this person? Should I go ahead and move in with them? I mean, you know, I, I mean, I mean, really. Remember the moral will of God? Don't forget that. Because <laughs> that has a big impact with his providential will that affects our personal will. Oh, there's apartment for rent signed there. I, I'm sure it's a sign from God. I should rent that apartment. People want their dream home, and they'll read stuff into it. They'll look, and they'll see an open house. Well, God must be telling me to stop here and look at this house. Well, that's more money than I've ever paid for a house, and I've got a house now, but haven't sold my house, but I, I would really like to have that house because, whoo, and if we kind of massage the numbers, you know, with the low interest rates nowadays, I'd be ready. And you get one of those super bridge bubble loan deals where your payment's like this, but in about five years, it's like that. And you go ahead and jump in, and you get it, and boy, you qualify. Woo-hoo! Let's do it, man. Then all of a sudden you got two payments and you're working nine jobs trying to make two payments and the wife wants to remodel the new house and you have no money and no time and you're going, was it God's will for you to buy that new house? See, we manipulate things that aren't there to somehow justify our behavior because it's God's will. Three big mistakes. We don't ask God. We rely too much on logic and we hear what we want to hear. So what do we do? So what do we do? If you want God's best, there is no shortcut. There's no shortcut. If you want God's best, there's no shortcut. I have tried everything in the world to lose weight except the things I'm supposed to do. That's exercise. Eat less. Eat the right things. I know how to do that. It's not a matter of lack of knowledge. It's a lack of will and desire. But when you're told you can't have a surgery because, I think it's time to do something about that. God wants our hearts, every bit of it. He wants us to lean on Him and to, to trust Him. Sometimes people use fasting to assist them in their seeking of God. And what a fast is, is that you physically give up the nourishment so that you can spiritually focus. 
on whatever it is that you're praying over. Uh, you'll skip one meal. And during that meal, when you feel hungry, that's your call to pray. And God will break, he'll break through some things. It's a great way, it's a great discipline to develop. Uh, some people just do it in prayer. They fall on the ground to pray. They pray on their way to work in the car. They may get a team of folks to pray with them. They may go to a prayer weekend or a prayer retreat. If you've never done anything like that, I'm telling you, it'll revolutionize your walk with God. Some people have others pray for them. It doesn't matter what style you do. It's just that you do it. Seek Him. Listen to Him. And He then will give you peace. If you will seek Him and listen to Him as you write this down, when you ask God, trust God, not logic, and listen to God, He will give you peace. And you will know that you're inside the providential and the moral will living out the daily personal will of God. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. A loose translation. Don't be wigged out about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God that transcends all human understanding. It's something that every non-believer can't even comprehend, and that's that peace of God. In the middle of confusion, not knowing what to do next, the peace of God will transcend all understanding and will guard our hearts, our minds, our souls in Christ Jesus. Seek Him and let, him, let His presence, His direction, His Spirit, His peace confirm what He's calling you to do. In my heart, my heart for this church is that we have three services every weekend, every church will. If we do that, we'll be running 300 people. And you say, well, here's what I say to you. Because I serve a God that can do it. And here's how he does it. Through you. I'm getting more crippled up every day. So you're going to have to help. You're going to have to invite you're going to have to encourage. Bring them. Bring your friends. Don't think negatively about anything, but positively about the power of God that's at this place. We, just, we have a living answer to prayer right in our midst today. Don't tell me God doesn't hear our prayers. How many more do we see around us? My heart wants to see this church grow numerically. And you might say, well, preacher, why are numbers so important? Because they're, they mean something to God. We're going to go to CIY Conference in a few weeks. These teenagers are going to experience something they've never, ever experienced. You get 1,000 to 1,200 teenagers singing. Oh, 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 and it's loud. Oh. I usually sit out in the foyer because then I can actually hear it coming through the brick walls, you know. Can you imagine 1,200 teenagers? And by the third night, if the, if the singer got up and said, Jesus, they'd just start singing. <laughs> it's the way church should be every Sunday. I need to do a series on what worship means. Let's pray together. 
God, we ask that in your presence today to guide us to your perfect will. Decisions, big decisions, some relational. Should I date this person, stop dating this person, marry this person? Do I, do I get married? Things are falling apart. What do we do? Some, some of you have experienced betrayal, adultery. How can I forgive something that seems unforgivable? Some are wrestling with an elder parent or an aging parent and what you're going to do with them. We need to honor them. But God, how do we do it? Financially, we're struggling. We're, what do we do to help? Some of you, it may be children. Some of you, it's people you work with. Some of you have job issues. What do I do? Should I stay here? Should I take this other job? Some of it's financial decisions. But for some, it's spiritual. Should I stay in this church, be a part of this church, or move on? Should I, Lord, let you have the master, be the master of my heart or not? I'm not ready to make that kind of commitment. I, God, I know that you love us in such a powerful way. And you're ready to respond to us in such a marvelous way. If we will but let you. And so, God, whatever decision needs to be made today, whatever decision someone is facing today in this room, and they are facing those decisions today, would you give them the courage to cry out to you? Because it's in you that they will find hope. It's in you that they will find the lifting of the burden. It's in you that they will find peace that passes all understanding. It's in you, in you, in you, in you. In Jesus' name, amen. God's laying on your heart to respond in any way. Would you do it today as we stand?